Morning, everybody. I'm going to use the uh, stool of anointing today. For those of you who are yet to hear, I'm pregnant again, which is really wonderful news. Unfortunately, it has also made me a bit poorly. In fact, it's made me very poorly. There's no a bit about it. And our family, we've had a rough couple of months, really, haven't we? In fact, since Christmas, it's been, it's been hard work in our family. There is... Yeah, that would do. I'm on the stool. For anyone listening to this, I've just sat down, okay? <laughs> it's, it's hard work feeling ill... It's particularly hard work feeling ill when you know you're preparing to speak as part of a series on healing. And the irony, perhaps, is that almost all of us who've got up to speak on this particular topic in the last couple of months have had some sort of incident or sickness or something going on where our focus has been... Well, we've been even more desperate for healing because we really, really want to get better. And as Dad just said, when we're in times like this and we're focusing on healing, does it distract us or does it lead us to want to pray more? For me, it's made me pray a lot more. And praise Jesus, I am doing better and I'm having to rest a lot, but... um, That's where we're at for our family right now. So um, end of August, there'll be a new member of the church family. Um, We're very excited. One thing that I just thought was quite cool about having to sit here instead of stand up and bounce around like I normally do is I was thinking sometimes when people at church are speaking from the front and they're talking about, oh, I don't know, um, being holy... And they look really holy, and they're acting really holy, and they're saying all the right things. It's quite easy to sit and listen and think, well, it's all right for you, but that doesn't really make sense for me. It's quite easy to think that the people at the front have got it all together, and we've got a long way to go to get there. Perhaps today, talking about healing, when I really need some more of it, you'll believe me when I tell you that we're all in the same boat here. We really, really want to see Jesus at work more and more in our lives and in the lives of our friends and family. That's what I want. So, healing miracles. Um, I'm in Luke 5 today. Uh, Luke 5, 17. Or you can look at Mark 2, um, because it's the same story. It is the story lovingly known in my house as the bloke through the roof. Or I think the Bible calls it um, Jesus heals a paralyzed man. And it is a Sunday school favorite. It's one that if you've grown up in and around church, you will know it well. If you're looking for it still, it's Luke 5, 17 or Mark 2, verses 1 to 12. Um, There's actually a really similar story in Matthew as well, but it doesn't have a roof in it. So I don't know whether Matthew saw a different paralyzed man healed or if he just was less impressed by the roof part of the story. But we're going to stick with the roof ones today. Basically, and many of you will know the story, but I'm just going to retell it for you. Jesus is in a house 
doing his thing, teaching, chatting, healing people. The house is really full. Everyone wants to get in to see Jesus. There's people who want healing. There's people who just want to ask him a question. And there are some friends, some, some guys, who have a mate who's paralyzed. Um, we don't know how he got paralyzed. We don't know how long he's been paralyzed. We could make some guesses, but in fact, I've... I've made up an entire backstory for him personally, but we don't have time to tell all of that story. If you want, I'll, I'll tell it to you later if you want to know. Um, but anyway, there's some guys. They've got a friend who's paralyzed and they know Jesus can heal him. So they take him to the house where Jesus is and they can't get in. Now, this, is, this has got to be a really full house because you'd think some guys carrying their friend on a stretcher of some kind if they're like let us through there's a there's a paralyzed guy you would think the crowd would be like oh yeah paralyzed guy in you go and um, there's probably disabled seating at the front or something but no here they're not getting in so these guys love it creative thinkers think mm, let's go up onto the roof they rip the roof tiles off the roof they kind of i don't know if they brought tools with them or if they just like punch through with their bare hands but eventually they make a hole in the roof, and they drop their friend on his stretcher, we think, through the roof, straight in front of Jesus. I mean, he's already paralyzed, so I suppose they could just drop him. Um, <laughs> what, what's the worst? <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> they lower their friend gently through the roof. Um, this is when you, when you teach this in schools or in Sunday school, often you get the kids to act out this part of the story. Um, and this is the most fun bit when they're dropping their friend through a roof. Um, <laughs> and Jesus stops what he's doing, sees this guy in front of him, looks at him and says, friend, your sins are forgiven. At which point I wonder what the paralyzed man thought, because he's a bit like, um, uh, thanks, but I kind of wanted to walk again, Jesus. Jesus forgives this guy's sins and there's a bit of a back and forth between Jesus and some of the people in the room over should really anybody be allowed to say that? What does it mean? And then Jesus, just to put the cherry on the top, also heals the guy. He jumps up and he's praising Jesus. Everybody else in the room is praising Jesus and Hopefully, the friends then fix the roof, um, but we, we don't know about that. We just have to... Or, you know, the owner of the house now has a lovely new skylight. And this is... I'm going to give you my... This is my, my favourite thing. This is the one really good thing I have to say about this entire story. So I'm giving it to you now, and then you can nap the rest of the time if you want. When Jesus is in the room, you can forget about the roof. I, I thought it was really good, but, you know. We'll try that one more time. When Jesus is in the room, you can... Okay, we're coming back to that. But that's really important. It's a good story. There's a bit more to it, and we're going to go into the details a little bit more, because in reading this story, I've actually been a bit disappointed. I'll, I'll confess. I've got a favourite bit of this story, and you'll know what it is. It's the bit where they rip the roof off the building. That's my favourite bit. But it turns out... I don't think that's the most important bit. I'm a little disappointed. 
It's not going to stop us playing the game and ripping the roof up every time we retell the story. But I think there's a more important bit in the story. So um, to look at that, we're going to look at some of the really remarkable people in this story. The first bunch of really remarkable people in the story are the friends. Okay? These guys, they are good friends, aren't they? They've carried their mate across town. They are desperate on their friend's behalf to see him healed. The, the paralyzed man in this story, he's actually he's a pretty passive figure. He, we don't know much about what he's thinking, what he's doing, what he's saying. The only thing he actually really does, apart from lying on his mat, is jump up and praise God at the end. And we're really glad he does that. But it's his friends who are really pushing this whatever it is. They are desperate on their friend's behalf. Jesus heals this guy because of his friend's faith. It's there in the Bible. Um, I can't remember what verse it is, but um, it's definitely there. Someone can shout it out if you can spot it. 20, thank you. Yeah, verse 20. Jesus saw their faith, i.e. the friend's, their desperation. They have destroyed some person's house because they believe Jesus is going to heal their friend. They're pretty good friends. Faith, it's that, there's, a, there's that verse in the Bible, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And these guys knew what they were hoping for, didn't they? And they were certain that Jesus was going to do something. Sometimes when we're sick, sometimes when we're unwell, it's really difficult to muster up an enormous amount of faith. Sometimes being ill just really wears you down. You're just tired. It goes on and on. And I mean, sometimes it goes on for a week and that feels like plenty. But I recently I've been reading a couple of blogs of people who are living with chronic illnesses goes on for years and years and years and they have to reshape their entire lives and so often they talk about loneliness they talk about the friends that they used to have that they don't see anymore and when you're in a position like that you really need some friends filled with faith don't you you really need some people holding on to that hope Because sometimes when you're ill, all you can do is just hold on to a tiny bit of hope. And you need people around you to help you. You need people around you to support you, to love you, and to help fill you with faith. We, two and a half years ago now, about that, Tom, most of you will know, Tom was diagnosed with a type of cancer. Um, Tom's my husband, for those who don't know. He's all better now, praise Jesus. But we had about nine months of treatment and recovery, and, and it was long. And we also had a one-year-old, just to add to the, the fun and the hard work. And in that time, we needed some really good friends. Because some days, we needed practical things, like food and someone to help look after Annie. But other days, we needed people to pray for us and with us and give us a pep talk and remind us who's really in charge 
and that the end of the story is Jesus winning. And, and we had that community around us, and without it, it could have been a very different story for us. And I know there are people across this room who would hold their hands up and say, we've lived the same thing. We know it. We know that we have some good friends. I was musing to myself, how many people, how many good friends do you need? And I figured you need at least enough people to be able to carry you on a stretcher. Okay? At least that many. So just try and figure out how many you think it would take to carry you on a stretcher. Um, <laughs> get at least that, good, that many good people around you. And then maybe one extra in case one of them is on holiday. Because friends are allowed holidays. And, you know, it's not just about finding good friends, although that is really important. It's about being a good friend. A huge part of what we are called to do and to be is to stand in faith and in hope with our friends, with people who are sick, with people who need Jesus, with those who are sick for three days, three months, three years. Let's be really good friends. And when they need it, let's carry our friends to Jesus. Let's push them, stick them in a wheelbarrow, figuratively speaking. And maybe be willing to have your roof destroyed in the process. It's, it's not always easy. But I'm really inspired by these friends. It was their faith that saw their friend healed. They're great. The second group of people that I think, it's just, it's a remarkable part of the story. There are these Pharisees and teachers of the law. We read about it right in... Uh, Verse 17, right at the beginning, I'm in Luke, but actually it's also right in the beginning of the bit of Mark. It says, one day Jesus was teaching and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. That's how it opens. And I don't know if there are any teachers in the room, but if you are a teacher and there are a bunch of other teachers sitting there watching you, it's quite intimidating, actually. And you're wondering if you're doing it right you're doing it the way they would do it. If they're inspectors, then it's even worse. This, I think this was, must have been kind of normal for Jesus, though. These Pharisees and these teachers of the law. What are they doing there? Why, why have they come? I've got my suspicions. They're just sitting there. The other people who've come to see Jesus, lots of them have come because they want to get healed. Maybe they want to hear his stories. But these guys, they've come. It's like they're the advanced party. They've come, they're sitting there, and then everyone else turns up. Are they waiting to catch Jesus out? Are they, are they sitting there quietly, just waiting for him to say something so they can look at one another and nudge and be like, oh, oh, he's made a mistake there. Ooh. Are they just waiting? I... I kind of imagine that they're, they're there kind of waiting to criticize. In their hearts, they haven't come thinking, wow, who is this guy? I think they've come saying, we need to look out for this chap. The attitude they've come with, I think, is quite critical. And I wonder if there was a bit of tension in the room. I don't know. But I would feel like that. If I thought that... You guys were all sat there listening to me, waiting for me to make a mistake, 
waiting for me to say something that you could all then turn and look at each other and nudge and go, oh, she shouldn't have said that. Oh, oh, a bit of heresy. We'll have to have a little chat about that later and tell all our friends. Please don't. (laughs) I would feel really nervous. I'd feel really scared. Jesus, he seems to be rolling with it. I think he's okay with it. But the reason they've come is, it's not a nice reason, is it? And of course, we happen to get the bit of the story where Jesus goes and does something that blows their minds. I mean, if they were waiting for like a little slip up in the teaching of the law, Jesus isn't going to give them a, a little like slightly getting something about the Sabbath wrong. Jesus has full on like dropped a bomb and just let it explode in front of them because this guy comes through the roof and the first thing he says, he says, friend, your sins are forgiven. And these Pharisees, I mean, you can imagine that it's a kind of, it's a nudge, it's a look, it's a kind of, one of them's just gone bright red and is like fuming. How dare he? Nobody can say that. Who is this guy? Oh my goodness, can you believe he said that? Did I hear right? Did you actually hear what he said? And you can imagine the muttering and the exchanges of looks and... I mean, there's everybody else in the room as well, and we don't really know what they were thinking. But they're just seething. They are so ready to take him down over this. How very dare you? And Jesus, he is, he's not going to ignore them. Also, I love, in the Bible it says, um, Jesus knew what they were thinking. Sometimes I've imagined that's because Jesus could see into everybody's hearts. Um, I don't think he had to with these guys. <laughs> I think he could probably read it on their faces. So he just challenges them directly, just goes straight at them, doesn't he? Says, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he's been waiting for this moment, hasn't he? He wants them to know. And I've always puzzled at his question. Which is easier, to forgive sins or to heal somebody? Or which is easier to say? I think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because no one can tell, can they? Your sins are forgiven. Congrats. You're all released and free. I'm a new saviour. I'm not really. I can say it. But if I had an actual paralyzed person here, would I dare say, I'll just get up and walk? Would I? I? And if you say that and it happens? So the point Jesus is trying to make here, he is just, he's trying to say something really, really big. He's basically saying to everybody, I'm God. I'm the son of man. I am the one who was promised, the one who's coming the one who is here to save you, to save the nation of Israel, to save the whole world. He's saying all of that. And then, because these guys have got a bit antsy, he's also decided that, oh, and by the way, get up and walk. And this paralyzed man, up he gets, picks up his bed, and off he goes home. Brilliant. 
And in reading this story, there's a little bit. Verse 26 says, everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. And I wrote down in my notes, does this include the Pharisees? Then I write, don't know, maybe. These are, these are my notes to myself, but welcome into my brain. I, I love it. I would just love it if the Pharisees are just completely disarmed by this healing miracle that they see. And despite having come critical and ready to analyze and destroy and take Jesus down, that the joy and the marvel of this miracle just softens their hearts and just takes away that critical nature, that cynicism, that the wonder of Jesus and his power and the love and the compassion fills them as well and that they are amazed and are praising God. I'd love it if that was part of the story. And the Bible says everyone. Wouldn't it be cool if those bits of our hearts that sometimes can be a little bit critical, a little bit cynical about Jesus' claims, about whether they actually happen today, wouldn't it be wonderful if the Holy Spirit, the power of God, the love and compassion of Jesus could just come and soften our hearts? Sometimes I'm like that. Sometimes I can get really cynical about healing. Sometimes I'm cynical about the stories in the Bible. Sometimes my heart gets a bit hard and a bit critical. And I need it. I wasn't going to do this, but um, let's just do this quickly. I'm just going to put my hand on my heart. If you want to do the same, you can. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to forgive me, to soften my heart again. If you want to join me, then then you can. Jesus, I'm really sorry for the times when my heart has been critical and cynical, when I haven't known how or what to believe. And I just ask that in your love and compassion, in your marvelous power, that you would soften my heart again, that I would wonder and praise at all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Thanks. Um, okay, third remarkable character. Save the best till last. Jesus. You, you're allowed to cheer for him. Yeah, Jesus. Well. <laughs> Jesus gives so much more than is expected, doesn't he? Remember, when Jesus is in the room, you can forget about the... When Jesus is in the room, you can... Jesus just gives so much more. This guy appears through the roof. His friends have got faith. Jesus wants to see him whole. So first he deals with his sin. Then he heals him as well. The friends weren't expecting that. They thought their friend was going to walk again. They did not expect complete forgiveness from God. Jesus gives so much more. He always gives more. Because when Jesus is in the room, very good. Jesus always gives more. We ask for healing and he forgives our sins. 
He saves our lives. He turns us around and he heals us. We ask him for friends and he gives us family. We ask him for a tiny seed of hope and it grows into an enormous tree. God is in the business of taking really small things and making them massive. And today, the power of Jesus is in the room, so we can... Whatever it is you're asking Jesus for right now, double it, triple it, make it bigger. Expect more, because he can do it. And he wants to do it. We're not down on our knees begging, oh, please, God, I'll be really good if you could just see your way to it. It's not that. Jesus is here and he's willing to give it. He's ready. He wants to. You could forget about the roof. Joe, can you guys come? We're going to take a little bit of time just to pray because... I think Jesus wants to do some really amazing things for us today. I think so. Maybe someone else does. The power of Jesus is in the room. Yeah, we can forget about the roof. So we're going to pray. You might want to stand for yourself. You might, there's something you need right now. Some healing or something else you're asking Jesus for. You might want to stand up for yourself and get some prayer. You might want to stand for a friend. We've been talking about good friends and standing for our friends. That friend could be here. If they are, go and pray for them. If that friend isn't here, stand on their behalf. I have my suspicions. If I ask people to stand up, there'll be lots of you. So let's try that and just see how many people there are. Who need something from Jesus for themselves or for a friend. If that's you right now, just get up on your feet if you can or indicate in some other way. Excellent. Okay. If you're not standing and you can see someone standing up and you consider them a friend or a new friend you're about to make, then stand with them right now. Just go find somebody, stand with them, put your hand on their shoulder or if you're worried about viruses, put your hand near them. And uh, we're not going to do anything particularly special here. We're just going to ask Jesus to work. Okay? So if someone's standing with you and they don't know what it is that you need, if it's for you or for a friend, just take 10 seconds to tell them really quickly what it is. Now, if you're standing on your own and you're near someone else who's standing, feel free to just swap over your things. That's okay too. Okay? 